Hello, friends, and welcome to Everyday Truth with Kurt Skelly. We're here to show that the Bible is relevant to your life every single day. We're so glad you joined us here for the conversation as we go verse by verse through the book of Jeremiah. Our series, The Hard Truth, is looking at this Old Testament prophet's messages of sorrow, judgment, and hope. Now, let's join Kurt for today's episode. Hello, my friends, and welcome to today's podcast, today's episode. have a postcard here from some friends in Jacksonville, Florida, uh, Levi and Cassie Rolston. And Levi and Cassie, thank you for sending the postcard. I love Florida. I love the ocean. And the postcard says, just another day in paradise. And it gives you every month the average temperature in Jacksonville. So we all hate you, Levi and Cassie, for reminding us how good you have it and how bad the rest of us have it. But it is a great reminder of a beautiful spot. So thank you for that. We are in uh, Jeremiah chapter 22 today. And we've been talking about this message that God led Jeremiah to preach Uh, A tough message, Jeremiah chapter number 22, where the Bible says, Go up to Lebanon and cry. Lift up thy voice in Bashan and cry from from the passages. The passages actually refers to a section across the Jordan River, what what used to be Moab. But the point here is this. Uh, Judah, go cry to all of your local partners, all of your local allies, whether it be Lebanon or Bashan or Abarim, which is the passages, these uh, other, and and these people that you have trusted in. Look at verse number 20. Cry up from the passages, for all thy lovers are destroyed. So when the Babylonians came in, so if this is still a message to Zedekiah, this makes total sense. Because when the Babylonians came in to destroy Judah, obviously they came by the way of these other countries. So a harbinger of the impending destruction of Jerusalem was the fact that all of these outlying places, these smaller kingdoms and city-states that they had allied themselves with, they were all destroyed already. So who are you going to call now? You know, who's on your speed dial now? Who's the person you're relying upon now? All of your lovers, all the people that you've put your heartfelt trust in. Now, it should have been me. Uh, I, you, you should have been faithful to me. I am, after all, your husband, and you are my wife, nation of Judah. But they have looked for all the, their intimacy and their trust and their affection in all of these others, and all of them have failed them. Look at verse number 21. I spake unto thee in thy prosperity, but thou sayest, I will not hear. This hath been thy manner from thy youth, that thou obeyest not my voice. I want you to think about that verse. To me, it's the most telling verse of the entire chapter. Let me read it again. Verse number 21. God says to the people, I spake unto thee in thy prosperity, but thou saidest, I will not hear. You know, a lot of times when things are going well in our lives. We might not be right with the Lord. We might not be seeking his will. That's why the writer of Proverbs said, it's not a really good thing to be overly prosperous because sometimes we, in prosperity, we forget about God. 
Just like sometimes in abject poverty, we curse God. And that's why the writer of Proverbs said, Lord, give me bread that is sufficient for me. And I think a good prayer for all of us to pray is, Lord, give me in life those resources that are sufficient for me to be effective for you, but not forget you, enough to meet my needs, but not so much that I get off track. You know, all these things that are the symbols of today's prosperity. You have all these friends and you have all these alliances and you have all these seemingly strong civil leaders, a good, strong governor and king and and all that's going to go away. Like the wind would carry away the chaff, like the wind blows that it's all going to be gone. And then what? And then what? Verse number 23, O inhabitant of Lebanon, that makest thy nest in the cedars, how gracious shalt thou be when pangs come upon thee, the pain as of a woman in travail. You know, right now, you're acting like, yeah, there's nothing wrong. You're living in your prosperity. Judgment will never come. We can do whatever we want. We can sin with impunity. We can go ahead and take advantage of other people. It will never happen to me. God will never judge me. It's never going to get bad. When you're crying in pain, like a mother that's ready to give birth cries in pain, pretty hard to act gracefully then when all you can think about is, I want this pain to be over. What, what a poignant illustration, the illustration of a woman about to give birth. Verse 24, as I live, saith the Lord, though Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, remember, he's the king now that reigns for just a short period of time. When Nebuchadnezzar comes in in 597 BC, Jehoiakim is, is now done he has the burial of a donkey. Remember, we talked about that last episode. Though Coniah, the son of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, though he were the signet upon my right hand, yet would I pluck thee thence. Wow. So what does that mean? Well, back in Bible days, really in that culture, not just in, in, in Israel and in, in Judah, the signet ring was the ring of power. So the signet ring was the most important possession a king had because that signet ring was the, was the way by which he issued his edicts, uh, passed his laws, uh, wielded his power, remember? Uh, and so that signet ring would be, he would put the stamp, his seal, the king's seal was on that ring. So what is God saying? God is saying, Coniah, if you were my most valuable possession, if you represented the sum total of my power and my glory and my reputation, I would still take you off and throw you away. That, that's how wicked you are. That, that's, that's, that's the way you've lived before me. And that's what happened, by the way. Coniah was, in essence, taken off, uh, taken away from God's protection and presence and sent to captivity. Look at verse number 25. And I will give thee into the hand of them that seek thy life into the hand of them whose face thou fearest, even unto the hand of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, into the hand of the Chaldeans. There's the fulfillment of that. Verse number 26, and I will cast thee out and thy mother that bare thee. See, when Coniah was taken into captivity, the royal seed was taken as well. Uh, the, the, the royal 
mother was taken as well. This was an awful time of deportation. Uh, Ezekiel went during this time into another country where ye were not born. There shall ye die. Why? Because of your rejection of me. Verse number 28, this is an amazing prophecy. Is this man, Coniah, a despised, broken idol? So Coniah's sin was idolatry. He didn't trust the Lord as God. And so it's in essence like Coniah, it's like you now are the despised, broken idol, just like all idolatry will ultimately fail. And just like all idolatry will utterly be thrown away and despised, so Coniah, that's you. You become like the God you serve. The gods you serve are not real. They'll be despised and disposed of. So that, that's what's going to happen to you, Coniah. You'll be despised and disposed of. Now think about the opposite side. The opposite side is we become like the God we serve. Well, when we serve Jesus Christ, God the Son, the Son of God, in this Christian life, what does the Holy Spirit do? He forms us into his image. He makes us more and more like Jesus every day. When we trusted Christ as Savior, we're made like him positionally. When we trust Christ day by day, we are being made like him. First John chapter, yes, three, verses two and three, and we will be like him. So just as it's negative that we tend to become like the gods we serve, so it's positive. Is this man, Coniah, a despised, broken idol? Is he a vessel wherein is no pleasure? In other words, a despised vessel. Some vessels were used for some pretty dark purposes. Think about a bedpan. That's not a that's a that's a that's not a a vessel that you put in the china cabinet, is it? So the the point here is that Coniah, you're a vessel, but a vessel that's used for dishonorable things. Uh, I like that great passage there in Second Timothy, uh, chapter number two, where uh, God uses that same imagery, right? About in a great house there are many vessels, some to honor, some to dishonor. Look at verse number 28 again. Wherefore are they, are they cast out, he and his seed, and are cast into a land which they know not? Look at the lament of verse number 29. O earth, earth, earth. So, O land, a land that has been made desolate because the leaders are gone, because God's deported his own people. O earth, 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 hear the word of the Lord. Somebody listen. Verse number 30. Thus saith the Lord, write ye this man childless. So when you write the story of Coniah's life, just mark it down as if he were somebody that had no children. Now, the ironic thing is he did have children, but mark it down as if he had no children. A man that shall not prosper in his days, for no man of his seed shall prosper, sitting upon the throne of David and ruling any more in Judah. It's as if this man will never have a child. Now, he had many children, but the fact is because of his sin and his deportation to Babylon, none of his children will ever sit upon the throne and reign as a son of David. But what a sad, sad story that Coniah's failure really became the ultimate failure of an entire family. And uh, lest we forget, you know, our decisions have a deleterious effect upon future generations. A next uh, chapter, chapter 23, we'll begin that next episode. Hope you'll join us for that. God bless you, my friends. 
Thanks for taking time to listen. If you enjoy Everyday Truth, go ahead and subscribe to the podcast or share it with a friend. Until next time, God bless.